Hello and welcome to another episode of our show. Today's guest is Gary Allen. Gary Allen is the owner and operator. What exactly? Hello and welcome to another episode of our show. Today's guest is Gary Allen. He runs the Tundra Speaks Society, which is an educational uh, awareness program, as well as he's a he's a wolf owner, if you want to call him an owner. I mean, they're they're essentially wild wolves that live on his property, uh, and uh, and he learns and, and teaches about them, and he shares focuses on how these apex predators are keystone species in preserving our ecosystem. So it was awesome having him on the show. You're going to learn lots, uh, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. Uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered, this is an open mind, and you're listening to I'm Probably Wrong About Everything. So we have with us today, we have Gary Allen uh, from Vancouver Island. He is a, how would you put it? A wolf owner? Educator. A wolf educator. Okay, perfect. And uh, we, we were just talking about wolves have had such a bad rap over the years, you know, Little Red Riding Hood and, and this kind of archetype of evil. But really, you've learned a lot from them. So, Yeah. Um, well, as I mentioned, I've been, you know, I've been uh, doing this since 2003, uh, when and I I got my first uh, what was kind of a mid content wolf dog. He was fifty percent wolf, fifty um, Malamute, and uh, and then and then I gotten uh, about four or five others since then. And you know you're right that you know wolves have such a um, a bad rap. I mean I've just I intimately observed their their behavior and particularly the the later ones that you know like like Tundra and Nahani and Mohegan and Denali and Stakai. Those are the, the ones since uh, the first one I got. And they're, they're content of the wolf is well into the 90%. So they, in fact, are, are wolves. They just have a little bit of dog, which means I can keep them without a, um, a permit. And, yeah, you know, the, the – uh, if you look at it from a cultural aspect, you know, you look at it for the Europeans when they came over mm-hmm. from, from Europe and, uh, and settled on uh, what the uh, uh, First Nations people would say is Turtle Island, uh, that being North America. You know, they brought all the, the, um, the attitudes of the wolf from, from North America or from Europe. But the, the, the view of the wolf from the First Nations people, you know, is, is completely different. So. Right. You know, we should have had the First Nations people doing the uh, the public relations uh, of the wolf rather than the Europeans. Um, you know, here's some That's of the true things. For a lot of things, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I concur with you uh, fully on that, uh, uh, Robert. Um, you know, when I talk to the students and adult audiences, I say that wolf is family. Hmm. If you can think of this animal it's one of the most social animals um, on the planet it's very very family oriented so what you end up typically seeing is in a in a pack of let's say around 10 wolves you know there's one breeding pair those are the dominant wolves the dominant female dominant male some people refer to it as alpha female alpha male but uh, I like to use the word dominant. Um, they have the pops, and they're the ones that are um, that initially, you know, raise those pups, and then as they get other older wolves into the into the pack, which could be, you know, pups from previous years, you know, that that whole socialized organization of the pack or the family group looks after those wolves, right? And and they do it in a in an incredibly loving way, um, you know, I've written articles about saying that, you know, humans can learn so much about good family dynamics from wolves. And if you look at the First Nations uh, family structure, that's fashioned after the wolf. And I, I pointed that out to some hereditary chiefs and, and uh, 
elders and knowledge keepers I've worked with. And I said, you know, if you look at, at your family structure and the, and the Wolf family structure, they're almost identical. And, and so you have things like, you know, the wolf hunts in a pack, in a group, and it's a teamwork. And, and they share the food. If you look at the First Nations, you know, they share their food, uh, you know, if they're hunting or fishing or, or you know, gathering uh, uh, berries and that. If you look at the upbringing of the, of the wolf pups and you look at the upbringing of the First Nations children, it's, it's almost identical. Um, you know, you've heard the... Uh, the comment that it takes a village to raise a wolf or to raise a child. Well, that's a first nations uh, saying, right. And if you look at, at, at that upbringing of, of the first nations children, it's done on a communal basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, grandparents play a, a huge role. So do the, the uncle of the, of the father, you know, if the father dies, it's generally the uncle that, that takes over. Um, and, and if you look at, uh, the raising of wolf pups um it's very very much that that way that they uh you know like the the yearlings play a a huge role in in puppy sitting and uh and showing them how to hunt and and uh, things of that nature so wolves are very very family oriented and with that uh, robert what you find is that wolves are very sentient these are animals with great sense of feeling um, and w- the interesting thing that I found is that, uh, wolves seem to, um, with humans, they, they identify more with, with females than males. And, and that's a, a really interesting observation. And I, I attribute that to a couple of things. One, women tend to be much more compassionate and nurturing than, than men. Not always, but you know, as a sort of general kind of rule type thing. And, uh, and the wolves, they sense that. They sense that very quickly. Also, you know, women didn't hunt and trap wolves uh, and that. That was, that was male. So they really identify uh, very much uh, towards, uh, towards females. So there's that really kind of nurturing um, feeling, you know, that they have. And, and you see that towards their... Uh, their their offspring and uh we're gonna see mehegan in, in a few minutes now mehegan is the mother of the two pups um mehegan spelled m-a-h-i-k-a-n it's the word for wolf in the cree language okay yeah and uh and and so she just you know when she had these pups um back they were born on may the 5th 2019 so they're almost getting close to two years of age it was remarkable watching her look after those pups um the father unfortunately had had passed away and so she was in in the human sense a single parent uh, mother um and and it was just incredible how much um patience she had with them how she cared for them nursed them washed them licked them um and and let them play and and do um you know what what pups do and uh, and sh- and she made it very clear uh, robert to my wife sally and myself we could go into the enclosure where they were but she made it very clear that she was the one raising the pups right. not us right um and that and that's a was a really interesting um sort of observation and and to see that 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 play out so how how did uh did she communicate that was it sorry how how did um is it sorry is it mckenna mehegan sorry mehegan how did mehegan communicate that she was the parent she was the the dominant um yeah well um and i'll show you where the uh the den is Uh, we'll go outside and, and you can see that um so when they were born, uh, they stayed in the den with her for the first 17 days. When I, when I saw them at the entrance to the den for the first time, they were 17 days old. It took about a couple of days for them to come out. You know, it's quite a climb up the, the steep embankment. Um, and, and that 
a gaming. He would let us go out into the uh, enclosure and we could sit on a bench. Um, we just sit there. If the pups came to us, you know, we, we'd have our hands down and if they wanted to sniff our hands. Mohegan was okay. Yeah. Um, she nursed them about four feet away from me. So she felt comfortable with me being there. Um, but then I think it was on June the 1st that um, when I went out there in the morning to kind of feed them and that, they weren't around the den. Mm. And I went, oh, okay, well, well, where'd they go? And she had taken them down into the enclosure. The, the enclosure they're in is about two-thirds of an acre. And there's a big pile of, of cottonwood log rounds that are, that are all stacked uh, randomly on, on, uh, on top of each other. And there's little, they, they dug little tunnels and, and whatever. And she took them down there uh, to be raised. And, and uh, you know, the message to us was, um, you know, I'm taking them down there. You can come and, and, and see them. She would let us know where the boundary was. Okay. If we step a bit too far and that she would just, um, she wouldn't growl or whatever. She would just sort of run at us and mm -hmm. that she didn't show her teeth or, or whatever. I mean, she knew us and she trusted us. And so I would back off and I would sit on the grass, you know, about 10 feet away from that, let's say that imaginary boundary. And she, you know, she, uh, looked after the pups and, uh, um, yeah. So it was very clear that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm the caregiver here, not you. Well, and, and, I know experience with dogs and obviously wolves are very different. This is something we've talked about before, but that animals such as a wolf, such as a dog, they, they teach us sometimes more than we teach them about the importance of, of rules and sort of having things like boundaries uh, and, and knowing our own limitations. Yeah. Um, very true. Um, you know, she, um, she, she was such a a confident mom yeah you know that you know you got the, that sense of confidence from her look at and this was her first litter um so this is what's remarkable this is her first litter she was almost five years of age in the wild robert she would have you know she would remember as a pup she'd remember being a yearling looking after that year's pups and then you know the constant sort of a puppy carrying, um, you know, in that five years that let's say she lived in the pack, she had none of that. Mm. Right. She just did it, you know, on, on pure, I guess, Intuition. instinct, knowing yes, what to yes. do, but, but she did it, you know, um, incredibly, incredibly well. So wolves are family. Um, and, uh, and I get to watch it, uh, um, you know, daily, um, in fact, I, I have two big TV screens just in front of me. And right now I can look at one of the wolves laying in the, uh, on the, uh, the snow. And so I can, I can watch their movements from my office here because I have two big security cameras and that. So it's, you know, I'm unobtrusive. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I, I watch them. Um, I, I watch the, the male pop Denali, He's very much connected to his mom. You know, if, if Mahegan's laying down, he's generally four or five feet away. <clears throat> Stakai, who is the female pup, and by the way, Stakai, spelled S-T-Q-E colon Y-E, is the word for wolf in the Hokaminum language, which is the Coast Salish people on the eastern uh, coast of uh, Vancouver Island here. Um, she's much more adventuresome. She, you know, she engages uh, with mom and, and with her brother. But, you know, many times I'm watching the, uh, the camera and she's off uh, um, and, uh, uh, you know, on her own. And then, you know, lots of times she'll be laying down in a different part of the of the enclosure than where where um, uh, where Denali is with his mom. Do you want to see Tundra? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Well. So let's... Tundra's the oldest, correct? Yeah, she, she's going to be 14 pretty soon. Oh, there. 
There she is, Robert. Hey, Tundra. So she's she's in the bedroom here. Yeah. Um, so she's about ninety percent. She's ninety percent wolf. Um, wow. She's the one I take into the uh, into the schools. So we've done over two hundred and fifty schools in BC, and she's seen over thirty five thousand students and teachers, and uh, um, and uh, yeah. So she's she's pretty old as a wolf. Uh, and so she likes she likes being in the in the house, don't you? Hey, girl. Yeah. She seems and, uh, a little shy right now. Yeah, she you know she's just laying there, wanting to uh, uh, you know kind of be on her own. I mean, I can here I can there you are. Hey, and she has a you know she she enjoys the uh, the the interaction. Uh, um, but again, it's what it is it's if they want to interact with you they will they're they're a right. bit like a cat you know how a cat right will, right you know will, will come to you if it wants to and if it doesn't you know um they're elective animals and they, uh yeah. yeah and so wolves are very much that way and you know t tundra seeks us out you know quite a bit <clears throat> there she is she's she's uh hey laying down here um and uh this is the way she is with the children, uh, Robert. She, you know, when I take her, um, not now, because, uh, you know, when I do visits with schools now during COVID, we do it all outside. So it's really outdoor education. And, you know, we we don't have to worry about, you know, the the potential so much of transmission of the, the virus or whatever. But previous to that, you know, we do it in gymnasiums and she just, stand there and the, the students would pet her and and of course that's what they wanted to do you know is was yeah. to interact with her now you've had tundra since she was a pup is that correct three weeks of age when, when oh, i got her okay. from the breeder to, to raise her yeah so so and, and this is something that i'm that i'm always trying to understand there's there's an animal that's uh, domesticated. There's an animal in captivity, and then there's obviously uh, like a wild animal. So tundra would be considered a, a wolf in captivity, or is tundra just a domestic wolf? Um, well, um, you know, she—I mean, she's born in captivity, right? She's born right. born to uh, at a breeder's place, uh, and and she was um, the breeder for tundra was from Alberta. Um, and that, so, you know, she, she has uh, been with us, you know, since, you know, as I say, three weeks of, of age. Yeah. So, um, you know, she, um, uh, you know, I guess, I mean, she's domesticated in the sense of, uh, you know, that she lives, you know, with us. Um, the ones, when we go out the back and see the three out the back, you're going to see, a, an incredible difference uh, in in behavior. Mm. Like they're they're for all intents and work uh, purposes. Oh, yeah, she's uh, huge. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. It's awesome. the, you know, they're not domesticated out out there in, okay. in any way. I mean, I can't even get a leash on them to take them for a walk. Okay, that's that's how much they don't want to uh, um, you know to be in any way connected to a human. So. Maybe this is a good time. I can uh, I can get my boots on and my hat, and we can wander out the back and see uh, and see. See, there's there's the the TV screens that I talk about. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's what I can I can how I can observe them and spy on them, so to speak. So what in a, in a unintrusive way? What what got you like? What's the history of this? Because. This is a wonderful educational program to, to teach kids about ecosystems and the importance of community, family. What, what got you into uh, working with wolves? Well, I, you know, I always, uh, I always had dogs and, uh, and then, you know, enjoyed wolves. You know, uh, when I was going through high school, you know, we had uh, Farley Mowat's book, Never Cry Wolf, as part of our curriculum. And, you know, you get to know wolves. And and uh, and so when I had the opportunity to get, uh, you know, these very high content wolf dogs, I really had no 
intention of doing wolf education, it just that just unfolded, uh, Robert, because everybody wanted to see tundra. Right. And and uh, um, you can see the snow on the ground, and uh, um, we'll go in the uh, the enclosure here. Here's the gate. There's a little clip here that just so that they they're really smart so they oh, can flip yeah, that yeah. up real quickly but um they don't and uh and that's so i'll just sit here and then uh they're gonna come there's so here let's sit down without falling down here <laughs> ah, okay okay so here you can see Oh yeah, that's well. Mahegan, the mum. Wow, right there. And so what I have here is a is a, a treat, and I'm going to feed it to her. So right there. away, it just comes. Whoa, yeah, so that is there's quite a plane going right over top tundra. of us. So, uh, so there's there's mum with the, and it, there's her two pups. Uh, <laughs> here we are. So. Wow. Mahegan's the black one. The one in the front is uh, is Stakai, yeah. and that's the female pup. And there's Denali, the male pup. Wow. Beautiful so, coats on them, and all completely unique. Yeah, yeah. They're, the they're, colorings, yeah. Their coats are different color, their personalities. I mean, that's what you find. You know, Robert, they're just like humans. They're, you know, their personalities mm. are all different. Uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, I've got another piece here that I'm going to try to see if, if I can give it to one of the pups. Um, um, if I throw it out there, Mahegan's pretty quick, so she'll come and get it. So Stakai can see that I've got, that I've got it. Right and, uh, so I'm trying to get her to come a little bit closer and then I'll see if I can get it to her. What's Stakai? See how they don't want to come to you? Yeah. You know, like they're not, you know, if I came out here and there was three dogs, right, they'd be all over me. Um, Mahegan comes, you know, she got the, the treat. She may come and engage with me. She did, oh, about a half an hour ago. But mm. uh, here, let me. See? Stick oh, yeah, yeah. Guy got it. And and off she runs. Hey, Mahegan, how you doing, girl? Hey, how are you? So Mahegan is probably the more social of the three of them. Yeah, she's the only one that will come to me and uh, and I can, uh, you know, we've raised her from five weeks of age. And, right. uh, you know, so she she engages with us, uh, you know, she'll come and uh, I can pet her. I can give her tummy rubs. But her two pups uh, want nothing... They don't want to come up mm. to me and and do that. Now you can see Mahegan's coming. Come on, girl. Hey, how you doing? I got my hand out, so we'll see if, if she uh, see she sniffs where where I was sitting. I was sitting on that piece mm. of cement, so you can see her sniffing. And they do that. They want to know the 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 nose is what really defines the wolf they want to smell that scent right. make sure it's safe it, they feel secure there's the two pups there um they uh you know when when i i mentioned earlier that mahegan took the from where the den area is and down to the uh to the uh the logs and uh i think you know clearly it was a message to them that uh um, you know, you stay with me. And, and so they've learned that even though like they trust me, you know, it's not that, um, they don't trust me. They just don't want to have any contact because wolves don't do that in the wild. Right. You know, right. You, you, you seldom ever see one in the wild and they don't want to come up to you, you know, to sniff you out. They, they yeah. want to avoid you. Yeah. They live longer if they avoid humans. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, like, like coyotes, yeah. right? Coyotes don't, yeah. they're not pets. No, but what's interesting is coyotes will, will live in an urban environment. Mm-hmm. Like you've got coyotes in, Every, uh, everywhere, you know? Yeah. You know, in Coquitlam, Surrey, uh, Stanley park, yeah. you don't have wolves in, in an urban environment. You never see them in an right. urban environment. Uh, so coyotes, while they'll be, um, you know, uh, they'll stay kind of away from, from humans. At the same time, they feel quite comfortable living in, in an urban environment. I mean, you got coyotes in Central Park in New York City. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so here, here's. Oh, is this their den? Can you see the, uh, the den there? Whoa. That's so the they- den that. That Mahigan and and Nahani dug, it's three wow. feet deep, Robert, and it goes back six to eight feet. I can't even see the back of the of the den, but that's where she had those pups. Now, here's the bench that I would sit on, and she would be nursing them. There's a video about there, about four feet away, and. Uh, <laughs> And then what she did was she took them down to that pile of logs. Can you see the pile of logs? Yeah. That's where she took them. And, and that's where she raised them. Wow. Um, so there's Denali there. And then mom and daughter are over there. Now, But they... Um, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, for their diet, I mean, they must eat lots, obviously. So what, what, like, what sort of a diet do you have them on? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, wolves are carnivores, so they eat meat. Um, <laughs> I buy chicken uh, for them. Um, uh, we get what are called... Uh, chicken carcasses or the neck and the back attached right and and they get that raw and they eat that they like that um and then they get i buy what is called stewing fowls um and uh i'm just gonna come up here i just want to um where are you there i just want to get back into my uh uh where my Let's see. There, there they are. Um, ah, good. Sometimes, if I get out of the uh, internet range, it uh, you lose kind of a bit of the uh, of the uh, the focus. But hey, it's back in now. Um, and I buy the stewing fowls, so they're the older birds, and and right. we cook that, and, and then we we give them that cooked chicken. The only reason we cook it is that we can distribute more of the <coughs> of the meat. Mm. and right. and then they get they get uh um we get beef fat from raw from uh, the butcher and they uh uh they eat that they like that now when, um when oh. you walked in it, it looked like there was a trail around the perimeter so yep. do do the wolves do they kind of just stick to sort of one kind of section and they're doing patrols or uh like like what 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 is their behavior like when you observe well they yeah they you can see that along the fence here there's a there's a trail and there's uh uh, they have different sort of trails there's a trail that goes down there towards that maple tree um they they explore the whole territory but yeah, they have distinct trails as they do in the wild. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And and so they know the shortcuts to get to certain places and things like that. But um, the one thing about wolf behavior is it's very purposeful. And by that, I mean that if they're going to travel in their territory, they do it for a purpose. It, you know, they don't go out for like, you know, we would do a Sunday drive, right? You know, just <laughs> stroll, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, or, you know, a Sunday walk in the park type thing. Uh, isn't this nice and that? I mean, they're doing it either to hunt mm. or uh, or to defend their territory or whatever. They they don't waste any energy by, um, 
you know, wandering around just because they want to wrap, want want to wander around. Have uh, you, we got have, another oh, another yeah. plane overhead. <laughs> have you ever given them like uh, my dog? She loves chasing squirrels. She's never caught one, and I don't think she ever oh, will. But yeah, loves chasing things. Do do Mahegan, uh, Stakai, and Denali? Do they ever chase after? Oh, they, they hunt. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You. These are predators, uh, Robert. Um, <clears throat> so, for example, there's been some feral cats that have <laughs> made the mistake of coming into the into the enclosure. So these are <clears throat> these are not like the neighbor's cat. Um, right. You know. It may at one point have been a neighbor's cat, but you know it's it's a feral cat. I mean, it, yeah. uh, uh, and and they'll hunt them. They, they've killed uh, three of them. Uh, there was a uh, a raccoon that made the mistake of coming in. Um, so that's what I say to people: is you know you can't take the predator instinct out of these, right? And that they, yeah. you know, that's. These That's are still what predators. they are. They're, it's built into their DNA. Yeah. They're, you know, we're predators and they're pretty efficient predators. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, we can't have cats and, uh, you know, you couldn't put like uh, ducks out here or <laughs> bunny rabbits or <laughs> that's called uh, lunch. So there you can see Denali coming sort of towards me. Um, they, so you can see that I don't train them, uh, mm -hmm. um, Robert, you know, they, you know, as I say, I can't even get a leash on them. Mm. Uh, they don't want that, but they're, they get lots of exercise out here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're running around all the time. Um, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, like Mahegan will come up to me when she wants to, and I right. can pet her and, and, and do things like that. But, um, you know, if I call her, She's not going to come uh, to me, you know. It's right. not, you know, like a like a dog you would call and you know would come. E even Tundra in the house there, you know, uh, if she's laying down and and we call her, like you know, in the morning we want to take her out for a walk so she can have a pee in that. And, you know, sometimes it takes her like five minutes to get up off her bed or or whatever because she's not real excited about that. But we want to take her out to you know make sure that she. I mean, she's very good. She doesn't mess in the house or whatever. Uh, so in that sense, you know, she's house trained, right? But, uh, um, uh, you know, she, you can call her and it's like, uh, you yeah. know, it's, you know, Reluctant. eventually she gets moving. Now, now would these, would these three wolves, as they get older, would they ever transition into your house? Because you're, you're talking about Mahegan and the other wolf that helped dig that den. Yeah, that is now passed. Did that dog ever transition into the home, or or, or did no. it live its life out no. here? No, okay, no. And and Mahegan, like they can um, over towards that part of you can see where the security camera is, mm. and behind that, there's a part of the enclosure that goes up alongside the house. Right, and uh, there's Mahegan laying down over there. Um, and there's a door there and uh you know in the summertime we could leave that door open and i uh, mean he can she's wandered in once or twice but really really cautiously right uh tail between her legs you know when she she's not like that around us you know here or whatever uh um and that but uh um no they they See, they don't want to get trapped. They think yeah. they're going to get trapped inside right. the house, right? So you you created this enclosure. Now, how long ago did you put that all together? This this spot for uh, for the wolves. Here, I'm just gonna. Can you see tundra? Oh yeah, yeah. I'll just do that while I. There we are. Hey tundra. So sorry. What was the question, uh, Robert? It was, uh, you had that enclosure all set up for them. How long have you had that, that space? Like how long have you been where you are? Okay. Um, we've been, we've been here, uh, almost four years. The, uh, Hey girl. Um, we moved down from the Northern end of Vancouver Island to this place in Nanaimo. That was, uh, um, in 
in March of 2017. And, and so we bought the place in about November previous. So I had the, the fencing all done. I mean, I had to have all the fencing and everything, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because when I brought them down here, you know, they'd have to be contained. So uh, yeah. that, that was all done uh, um, while we were transitioning, you know, from the, the place that we lived to, to moving down here. Now, those wolves, uh, if, if, say, I was to go into that pen, which I wouldn't be doing, of course, but would they, would they see me as an enemy? Like, is it because they know you or? If, if you came in the enclosure with me? Well, if I went in there by myself, they'd probably think that I'm a um, the, the two pups would run. Right. Yeah, and that. I have had, um, there's a First Nations lady who's a, a filmmaker and, mm-hmm. uh, and she's come with her family and taken uh, um, video and, and that. Um, and she went in there with me, uh, Robert. And uh, of course, Stakai and Denali, um, they kept their distance. But what was interesting was that Mahegan, um, she was about this distance that I'm showing um, um, Tundra right now. Tundra is about four feet from me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, um, Trisha didn't show any fear. And Mahegan uh, um, came right up to her and, uh, and sniffed her. Um, no aggression, like there wasn't growling or, uh, or you know, teeth being shown or anything of that nature. Um, and uh, now, yeah, it really depends on the personality, right? Because I could bring somebody else in there, right. which I don't do. I mean, th- that was a real one-off uh, situation. And, uh, um, and uh, uh, you know, it worked out very well. I mean, I was right by Tricia. So, yes. you know, um, you know uh, Mahegan felt comfortable. But but Mahegan was able to sense sort of the uh, the nature the the disposition of this person and kind of assess yeah. them out right yeah so, oh oh you know so easily I mean they 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 are so smart Robert um, they know what I'm going to do before I know what I'm going to do when I'm out there um, you know they just they sense you they they're very as I mentioned, very uh, sentient animals. Uh, mm. um, Nahani, the uh, the uh, the father, the uh, the Arctic, uh, he was incredibly um, uh, smart. He was the breeder I got him from had been breeding for twenty five years, and he said that this is the smartest pup that he had ever raised. Um, he was doing obstacle courses at four weeks of age. Um, he, you want to hear a story as to how they can problem solve? Because oh, they course. can, they could do that. Whereas uh, dogs can't. Mm. Even even your really intelligent breeds, you know, they like a border that's collie. Tra- yeah, border collies, things like that. You know, that th- that's training. But so so Nahani, the uh, the the Arctic uh, uh, pup, and then Mahegan. So I got them from the same breeder, two different litters got them the same time they came up from the u.s and i went and got them uh brought them home and uh now they were really you know i had spent a lot of time working with them because i wanted to get them at three weeks that's Mm -hmm. when you got to get them because that's when they bond with you and uh but he wouldn't give them to me until five weeks so they bonded down at his place they came to our place and they had to rebond and that's really hard to do with these animals particularly when it's that high of wolf content you could tell that from seeing uh the behavior of stakai and denali right right um so they're about a year old it's in the summertime it's after dinner they're out on the deck so this is the place where we used to live up uh, northern end of vancouver island they're out on the deck and uh they would they would play with this um it was you know like um the the cable for a satellite tv dish Mm. um they were playing with that because it it didn't work um and so this thing was about 20 feet long um and and they would kind of 
play tug of war with it. I'd watch it so they didn't kind of chew it and, and get pieces of, you know, copper wire or whatever. But anyway, this one evening, somehow Mohegan has got this thing wrapped around her neck twice and around and a couple um, loops around her front right leg. Mm. And I, and I saw this and I, and, and I could see that she was in a bit of distress, you know, like if she moved, yeah. it got tighter. Right. Yeah. And, and so the, now Nahani is standing right beside her. So the, the human response would be to go out there and then grab it and, and unravel it off right. of her neck. Well, that's the wrong thing to do because if I went out there to do that, as much as she knew mm. me and trusted me, she'd try to run away. Right. So I watched it. And what did Nahani do? I mean, this is, this is her buddy. Um, he realized that, you know, Mahegan was in a bit of trouble. So he grabbed the cable on her neck and unraveled it twice off of her neck and then just dropped it on the deck. And then she just stepped out of it uh, with her, with her leg. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Well, I mean, cause, cause these are animals that survive, right? I mean, yeah. they, they see a problem in nature. They're faced with a problem in nature and they, yeah. they adapt to it. Yeah. And that, and wow. like yeah. he knew which way to go because yeah. if he went the wrong way, exactly, it was tighter. He's now put four loops on her, on her neck, right? Yeah. And it and it was it was so matter of a fact, Robert. It was like, okay, um, this is the solution, and he did it. Um, and and so that's my definition of problem solving: is that they encounter a situation yes. that they've never encountered before, and they find a solution to it. Yeah. Um, Another one in, in the wild, uh, this is up in Ellesmere Island, so, uh, you know, 80 degrees north. Uh, so, again, Arctic uh, wolves, mm -hmm. and it's not that Arctic wolves are the only problem solvers. The, the other ones are, too. But this one, um, so there was a yearling left to look after these three or four pups while the, the other members of the pack went off hunting. And this musk oxen was coming along the path. I mean, it's, you know, it's just all tundra, right? Yeah. Um, so it's coming along this path that's going right by the den and, and the three or four pups are there and the musk oxen would kill the pups because mm -hmm. they know that they're going to get to be big wolves and they're going to come and try to kill it or the musk oxen uh, young. Right. So the yearling knows that it can't challenge the, the musk ox and then push it away or anything. It, you know, it's a big animal. So what it did was there was a carcass of a snowshoe hare that was uh, nearby that they used as a toy. So he went and got that and ran off the trail a bit and started flinging it up in the air. And what did the pups do? Well, the pups wanted to play. So they came over towards heat where he or she was, I'm not sure what, what sex of the, the yearling was, but uh, he, the, the yearling's playing with it, and the pups go over there, and the musk oxen continues to walk along the trail, and, um, and of course, the pups aren't there because they're over playing with the yearling. So, you know, that was uh, another example of the problem solving, you know, how yeah. am I going to make this a safe situation because it could be a fatal situation. Yeah. Cause, cause like you said, the yearling couldn't take on the musk ox either. Right. So no, how no. do we, how do we divert this problem? Yeah. 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 So, so much of, of what you, you, you've been saying has made me think like, there's so much that we can learn from these animals. What's, what's one of the, oh, the most important things that you've learned? Like something that's uh, changed the way that you think. Well, what I've learned is that these are highly intelligent animals. Mm -hmm. um, they're highly sentient. Their family, their commitment to family is is just so strong. Uh, these are, and, and then, you know, what I've learned in terms of studying them, in terms of studies and that wolf studies as to how important they are in ecosystems. Right. And, uh, and as we, unfortunately continue to cull them and and uh and hunt them you know we're really doing 
incredibly um, a lot of damage. Uh, you know, what they're finding, uh, not only with wolves, but like apex predators, top predators, uh, Robert, both in terms of terrestrial ones as well as aquatic ones, like, for example, sharks and, uh, right. and you know, also like wolves and, and uh, um, lions and leopards in Africa. These animals, these apex predators are really important to us because what they do is they keep disease under control. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're in a zoonotic uh, virus right now, right? That's hot from an animal to a human, that being the zoonotic virus. And uh, wolves are able to do that with things like uh, chronic wasting disease, uh, which is the equivalent of um, mad cow disease in, in ungulates. So that yeah, and deer in uh, deer, there's, there's like zombie deers or something like that. Yeah. The, yeah. The, those, that's the chronic wasting disease. Yeah. So if humans eat those animals, um, and you can eat them, um, you know, when you don't see them being, um, that sick, right. Right. The, the, the asymptomatic, uh, um, uh, ones that we with the virus, you, you know, they're carrying the virus. You just don't know that they've got the virus, right? And and so if you eat that meat, uh, as you, if you ate the um, the mad cow uh, um, um, meat, you die. I mean, there's no there's no um, um, cure for it. Um, and that, so they, you know, that's what they do. Uh, sharks do that in the ocean. Yeah. Um, in terms of keeping uh, um, uh, animals that are unhealthy and that uh, they kill them. Now, what's interesting is when the wolf eats that, that meat um, of, the, of the deer, because of the amino acids that mm. canines have, wolves being part of the canine family, they don't, they don't get sick from it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, uh, lions and leopards in Africa are, uh, they, they hunt baboons. Right. Baboons have a, uh, a parasite, an intestinal parasite that if it gets passed on to humans, so a baboon, you know, poops, right. And, right. uh, and the parasites in the, in the feces, uh, you know, somehow the, that parasite gets into the human food chain or whatever. And that, well, that that parasite's fatal to to man. Um, so, um, as we're killing off leopards and lions in Africa, the, the baboons are getting closer to human settlements, right? And 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 that's putting them at risk. Uh, so, you know, I'm not sure that, that we've learned this from this pandemic because this is not the last pandemic. Um, but you know where you've got zoonotic viruses, and the more the more we kill off uh, these top predators, and that the more uh, and the more we kill off biodiversity, we make the human we make humans much more susceptible to these viruses because the viruses need a host, and we're the perfect host, um, and that so we really need these. Uh, these top predators and and the importance of biodiversity and unfortunately i don't hear really any world leaders talking about improving biodiversity they're talking mm. about yeah we need to get rid of uh, um, the, the and, carbon in the yeah. atmosphere and that's important but also i would argue the biodiversity and the importance of improving that is equally as as important and and so wolves will do that in their environment as other top predators will do. Yeah, they, they, they keep the balance of the ecosystem. Oh, yeah. And that because wolves are also a, a keystone species. So you have a top predator mm. um, and then you have certain top predators are keystone species, meaning <coughs> that they just have such a powerful impact upon an ecosystem in terms of creating healthy ones and maintaining healthy ones. And the wolf is, uh, is a uh, keystone species. So if they go extinct, we could very well, like we almost become endangered. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. if you look at like the chronic wasting disease, yeah, where, where is it real prevalent? Well, it's in Canada. It's real prevalent in southern Saskatchewan and, and Alberta. Areas that don't have wolves. Exactly. Oh, shit. Ex- ex- yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, we're just not making wise choices here, Robert. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so is that because of, of hunting of these apex predators or is that because... Yeah. Um, oh, okay. A couple, a couple reasons. Um, the, uh, you know, in Southern Saskatchewan and Alberta, that's ranching country. Right. And the ranchers are a big problem because they don't want predators on the landscape, even they not only in, on their private land, but, you know, many of them um, graze their, their cattle on public land in the summertime. And they want they want to cleanse <coughs> the public lands of, of predators too, which is really really wrong. So, so ranchers are a huge problem. Always mm-hmm. have been, and uh, and then and then you got hunters, including governments. You know, governments that are hunting them. You know, we uh, they're the called wolves. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and so. Uh, um, you know, it's that's really what you what you're fighting against. But you know, Robert, the, the thing I find really encouraging is, you know, when I go to talk to these students, either over Zoom or in person, you know, the, the grade threes and above, they they get this. They right. understand that that we need this. They understand the interconnectedness of of the various animals. The the first nations concept that we are one, you know, we're all interconnected. And, and, you know, I, I say this with all sincerity, if we could replace all the conservation officers and the um, government biologists with grade three, four and five students, <laughs> yeah. it would, the it would be would much be a better healthier. Place. I, oh, yeah. incredibly, incredibly. Because, because kids, kids care about like their, uh, dare I say they're idealistic and, and, and in a sense that they don't care about money, they care about making a difference. And somewhere yeah. along the way, we, we forget that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, that, we, we appeal no, to our own avarice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we become, we become sort of corrupt. We become, yeah. um, less, um, Human. we get away from the, the first nation concepts mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the, the the students you know they understand you know like we are one which is a, a first nation concept and that and and you know because of our upbringing um you know we they get away from that and they think that uh that humans are the apex organism in the world when you know we got to clearly get away from that concept and just yeah. see us as we're an organism that lives in a world that's all connected with other organisms, whether they're plants or animals or the water or whatever. And, and that's uh, the students understand that. And I'm always blown away by some of the questions and some of their understanding. It's, it's incredible, Robert. Uh, yeah. What's, what's one of the best questions a kid has ever asked you? One that just sticks to mind. Ah, <laughs> well, one of the funniest ones, what I've never never had and and then i'll get the other one <laughs> and it was just recently on a on a zoom uh, one it says uh, so do do wolves fart <laughs> and i went um depends what they think. Eat. <laughs> <laughs> um one of the one of the best questions well it, it was a question and and the question was um i asked them how how do Arctic wolves in the winter get their water? How do they hydrate themselves? You know, it's 50 and, six, 50 and 60 below up there. And, uh, you know, so I said, you know, the, the rivers and the lakes are pretty frozen. Oh, well, they eat the snow. And I go, well, possibly they can get a little bit. It doesn't snow all that much in the Arctic. You know, when it's 20 and 30 below, you don't get much right. snow. Right. And then when it does, it turns to ice pretty quickly. Well, they eat the ice. And I go, well, that's 
you know, that's uh, not going to get them a lot because that's, you know, 12, 13 feet thick. And, you know, they're just trying to scrape the surface of it. You know, so they, they think of that. And then this one um, uh, girl, she was probably about 10, 11 years old. And she said, it's what they eat is how they get their uh, uh, their, <laughs> yeah. their water because, um, you know, the organs are are full of water. Like, you know, your heart is 80% water, yeah. your, your, your kidneys, your, your liver. And wow. I said, bingo, that's absolutely correct. And, and so she figured that out and many adults don't figure it out. I mean, even I was thinking, I was like, yeah, what is it? Yeah. Yeah. Cause 'cause wheat, we we, we talk about wheat and, you know, bread production and stuff and how that's just a huge import export of water. Yeah. That we never think about. Right. Yeah. The water in there now. Okay. Last question for you. Cause I I, I don't want to keep you all night. But what, what's the what's the craziest encounter, or perhaps the scariest, wildest, or even funniest encounter you've ever had with with one of your wolves? Um. Well, uh, you know, I, I'm a fairly big guy. Like I'm about six five and two hundred and fifty pounds. And the Arctic and the Hani, um, he loved to play with me. And and in some ways it was playing, and in other ways he was teaching me lessons, mm-hmm. like. You know, this is my territory. And uh, uh, it was the wintertime. He grabbed my jacket. You know, I had a big uh, kind of plaid um, woolen kind of jacket. And he grabbed the sleeve and he dragged me 10 feet on the ground. And and that, and I... Let and, you know what time it is. And that, so, you know, it wasn't that he was... I mean, if he really wanted to attack me, he, right. he could have. But, uh, and that, so I... I got up uh, and <laughs> got a, you know, got my my sleeve out of his mouth, and and that was fine. Um, the the other things that they can do that's really incredible is, you know, when I was out, out there with in the enclosure with the and and even up at the other place where we lived, um, these are big animals, but they're very quiet. And I would sit out there, and uh, both. Nahani and Mahegan could approach me and they would either push their nose into my back or they'd paw my back and I didn't even know they were there. Right. And uh, and yet I, I knew that they were out there. It wasn't as if, you know, I was just sitting in the out in the woods and, you know, these two wild animals came up. <clears throat> they could approach and be that quiet uh and that so i i found that to be just so amazing yeah yeah wow that's awesome man yeah and that uh yeah that they're um you know i mean we've done things uh you know tundra and i spent 30 minute private session with jane goodall in Kelowna. um you know which was just incredible she was just in awe of tundra um you know, it's uh, these are just such incredible animals that uh, you know people want to see, both whether they're children or or adults. Uh, um, you know, when I'm taking Tundra for a walk and that, I get stopped lots of times, and you know they get to pet her, and you know um, the First Nations people that have seen her and interacted with her. Um, that book, you know, the that you saw the. Um, um tundra a gift from the creator that's the first one that's the one that cover is where tundra's uh up in the snow in the right. mountains go and read Janae's story in that book um and uh um i won't say anything more about it but it gives you an idea as the as to the connection and and what tundra has done with um you know, special needs students. Mm-hmm. There's stories of that in the book, and 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 whatever. Just uh, um, yeah, it's been it's been an incredible journey, uh, Robert. That's that is so awesome. I mean, you you clearly illustrate this sacred bond that humans have with wolves yeah. that we've always have had. Yep. You know, I mean, band's best friend dog comes from a wolf. Yeah. Need yeah. I say more, right? Yeah, so. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Gary. Uh, it's, My pleasure. It's been, it's been a wonderful experience. So I'm glad glad you enjoyed it and uh, and that. So I uh, I look forward to uh, when you uh, plan to. Obviously, you need to do some editing and whatever or whatever uh, in terms of the podcast that will be up on your. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll send you the link. And then, yeah, there, oh, okay. there, is, there is some editing. Yeah. Uh, just because just this one, because the, the internet and stuff. So it might take sure. a little bit longer, but I'll yeah. definitely send it to you when it's done. And um, like I'll I said, forward. thank you so much for this. It, it, it truly has been a privilege because not everybody gets this opportunity. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's all because of the Wolves, Roberts. Mm-hmm. Not, it's not to do with me. It's them. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's a, I, that's the point, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome, it's all man. about, it's all about them. And well, keep, so. keep doing, keep, keep being the, the platform for these animals, these wolves. I will. I will. Thank you. So, thank you very much for the opportunity, uh, Robert. It's been a pleasure. The pleasure's all mine. Thank you. Once again, that was Gary Allen of Tundra Speaks Society sharing with us just how important the wolf is in preserving our ecosystem and that they're, uh, they're a keystone species. A wonderful guy. Clearly, he's very passionate and, and, and loves and adores these animals. And uh, I'm so, so fortunate that I, I got to experience this uh, with him and, and for him to share this with me. The one thing that really stuck out to me, stood out to me, was when he was speaking about how apex predators uh, manage diseases or animals that carry diseases in, in keeping those numbers down and how as these invasive animals continue spreading towards civilizations, how diseases are increasing. So we are reliant on apex predators to not only preserve ecosystems, but to preserve our existence. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you again for listening. I'm Robert Grant, and I'm probably wrong about everything.